You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Happy Friday, everybody. And I also get to say this today on a very special episode of Everyday Driver. <laughs> and I'm saying I that. I didn't know that was coming. I'm saying that because when you and I started the show at large 15 years ago, which is crazy, or the podcast more than five years ago, there was a regular car that we called out as something where it was like, don't drive this. Let's find you something better. And we kept saying, don't drive the Corolla. Let's find you something better. <laughs> And now on this very special episode, <laughs> we are going to dedicate time to the car that I think is the car of the year, car that people are the most excited about in 2022 is the Corolla, the GR Corolla. I think people are more excited about this one than any supercar, any fantastic hypercar, supercar. Everybody wants to talk about it. Nobody cares about McLarens and Ferraris anymore. It's all about the Corolla. And there's a very good reason why. We hope you have seen our piece, and that is on the main channel, and that is two different laps in two separate cars yes. because there's grades. And we're going to go through this information, even though we, it, some of it is covered, but we can go a bit more in depth. Yep. And you guys have had questions for us. We couldn't answer till now because yeah, the embargo yeah. is now lifted. We can talk about pricing. We can talk about all the features. And we do want to touch on this because there is so much to learn about, about mm -hmm. these three cars, the yeah, three flavors three variants, of the GR Corolla. Yeah such a milestone car in it the is. minds of many enthusiasts and ours. And I think all of you listening that had even the tiniest bit of interest in the GR Corolla have already watched dozens of videos since they all dropped on Wednesday. Wednesday was GR Corolla day, but we wanted to answer some of your questions. We wanted to talk about lots of things. Here's a thing I keep seeing that frustrates me and that we're all doing as car enthusiasts. And that is, why can't we be happy that's my question. We posted a manual that would be boring. Supra piece a week ago <laughs> yeah. on the Test Drive channel. Okay, We have this GR Corolla, and I've been watching people's comments on the manual Supra, which everybody wanted. I've been watching people's comments on the Corolla stuff that's been released so far, the 86, the whatever. I feel like we, as car lovers, and I'm mm. including you and I, because part of our job is to critique stuff. We, as car lovers, are driving around in our boring Camrys, or our boring minivans, or the car that we hate, or the SUV we didn't have to own, or something with a CVT that we despise. And meanwhile, right now, in the car world, there are tons of really good cars being made. We have a Civic Si out front right now. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yes. The Elantra N is very good. The Mini is very good. The GR86 is great. The MX-5, this GR Corolla, lots of things are out there that are excellent. Guess what? The Supra now has a manual. By the way, Nissan brought back the Z car. I mean, you see where I'm going here. There's lots yeah. of great stuff. Yeah. But all, I feel like half of the commentary we're hearing on all these cars is, yeah, but this. Yeah, but uh, rev hang. A lot of it is, yeah, but these cars are going away forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Never to be seen again or anything close to it. How do you know? Well, but also, why don't you buy one? I mean, what I what True. I feel like I'm seeing more and more of is just this general disgruntled commentary from people that supposedly <laughs> love cars. Yeah. All the reasons that we still can't buy it while we still drive something that isn't even a quarter as fun as the thing we're complaining about for one reason or another. Well, that has rev hang. Oh, did I sure. see understeer? Oh, Folks. Although, to be fair, their dealers are a problem. Oh, absolutely. The, the dealer markup is a problem. Yes, but it isn't universal. 
There no, are, we, we, sure, we bought sure. our GR86 from a Toyota dealer who is one of many in the U.S. that staunchly only charges MSRP. Yes. And you yes. and I can't begin to speak to market. By the way, I hate it. I abhor it. I wish it couldn't happen. I, I literally wish it was illegal from happening. I, yeah. I, like MSRP, this is what it is. This is what you buy it sure. for. I understand why capitalism exists. I get it. But I wish it couldn't happen. Okay, but at the same time, you and I can't speak to what the car will quote unquote really cost because go poll five dealers and their markup in quotes is different. Mm-hmm. But you can find dealers mm-hmm. that are selling for cost. There are so many complaints right now about so many great cars, and there's a part of me that just goes, if I'm a manufacturer and I'm making a sea of SUVs, mm-hmm. and then I decide to make something fun for enthusiasts, and all the enthusiasts say while driving something boring, yeah, but that has rev hanger. Doesn't that still have oversteer or uh, the manufacturers, I mean, the dealer's going to mark that up. Then I, as a manufacturer, would just go, well, forget it then. I'll just keep making you more silver SUVs because you won't get online and complain about it, and I can sell them all. Okay. Why can't we be happy is my point. Why can't we be <laughs> okay. happy? There are so far three cars, actually manufacturers, but I'll say three cars, that you and I never thought we'd be super open and actually really like. Okay. The first one is the Phaeton. We thought, what yeah. a Bodie McBoat face. What a boat. <laughs> what Why would you, you want to drive this giant boat for $90,000? Why did Volkswagen make that? Huh. These are pretty good. <laughs> these are kind of awesome. Second is Maserati is a brand. And then as mm, the Quattroporte, mm. man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maserati sucks. <laughs> no, actually, I really like Maserati now. I'm super on board. <laughs> I'm no longer a Fairweather fan. I wasn't even then. But, yeah. you yeah, know, yeah. with the MC20, which we haven't driven yet, but still. I really like the Quattroporte, the Q- QP5. I know There's do, still yeah. some models that I don't like, and yeah, there's about sure. a 50-year swath of Maseratis that weren't good. <laughs> but the Maserati Are we brothers... we that swath? But anyway, going on. it. The Maserati brothers in the beginning, the three brothers, the, the first cars were great. Of course, there's the birdcage, and then the MC20 comes out. I mean, the MC12, you know, mm-hmm. the Enzo in disguise. Yes. Sweet. So I'm super on board with Maserati. And the third one is the Corolla. We thought yeah. Corollas will forever and ever be boring, dull, never buy a Corolla. After they quit being rear-wheel drive. So yeah. I'd like to point out, manufacturers uh. three, everyday drivers zero. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> right? But, but it is amazing to watch how manufacturers have swapped in the 15 years we've done this show. It's amazing yeah. how many of them, when we started, Toyota's a great example. Toyota and Ford have swapped personalities. When we started mm-hmm. this show, uh, Ford was offering something for just about everybody, and and. Toyota was offering Camrys and Priuses, and now Toyota is trying to yeah. offer an enthusiast car for everybody. I know that some of our collaborations, but again, why are we complaining? The cars exist. True. Meanwhile, Ford is over here going, we're not going to sell cars anymore. I mean, Mustang is a legendary <laughs> thing. We'll keep selling it. But everything else is going to be SUVs and trucks, <laughs> and they're doing very well at it, though. And now let's add all the goodies to make those giant vehicles do the things that smaller cars can do inherently by mm. virtue of their architecture. True, yes. Am I pointing out the obvious? You are. Let's dive right into GR Corolla questions. Mm -hmm. Starting with Apollo Andrade's question on Instagram, who asks if we would buy this over the GR86 from a pure driving experience and fun point of view. Would we Mm. buy this over the GR86? For whatever reason. If I'm buying a fun car, a fun driver's car, no. I agree with you. But I think if you're a person who is who like, okay, I need two baby seats, the 86 is out. Or you know what, I have to have a hatchback or what I need requires all-wheel drive. These are all reasons why the GR Corolla now makes all the sense. Agreed. But there's also a caveat. It's fun for a hatch. It's just a flat-out fun car. 
True. No, it's I like agree. for years and years, people said Kia is. Well, it's fun for a Kia. No, it's a fun car. Mm, sure. It doesn't matter the badge on the hood anymore. So GR Corollas, they're just awesome. They're fun. Yeah, they're genuinely perfect. Fun. True. Neither, no car is, but yes. But the fact, we, we keep coming back to praising Toyota, and no, we're not bought, because <laughs> they're doing this, regardless of what people say, mm-hmm. and because they have a motorsports enthusiast as a president. Yeah, that's changed huge. things big time. Yeah. Thank you, Toyota. Thank you, Nissan, for bringing the Z back. Sure, yeah, yeah. Thank you, BMW, for still building cars that are fun to drive. Uh, on and on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, looks are subjective, but still. Yeah, okay, for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. yeah, let's be happy with our manufacturers that are still offering these things. Thanks, mm-hmm. Mazda. For and let's go buy them stuff. when they exist. For sure. I hate to Agreed. say the obvious, but we do need to buy these cars that manufacturers go, oh, there are people that want them. But yes, as a pure driving experience, mm-hmm. the GR86 first... But wow, there's so many things to like about the GR Corolla that actually make it more usable and more flexible. If you can't really, because of size and space, as you were pointing out, you can't really do GR86, boy, is the GR Corolla an option. And I hope that Toyota will make as many as people want to buy. Because it's another thing that that, that people are complaining about. Well, it's going to be limited edition. And we said this to multiple people at Toyota during the launch. We said, just make them. Just make just as make many them, yeah. as people show up for. Well, you're right. There's Toyota people there that are actually listening to journalists. Mm-hmm. They really do listen. They're getting a sense of the crowds and who, the waves of different journalists. They're yes. talking to people. They're listening. They're overhearing conversations. They mm-hmm. are definitely noting things. Along those lines, I have to mention this. And we've had a couple of great conversations with people at Toyota. And the response was very interesting to what I'm about to bring up. Okay. There are three versions of this car. There's the core. There's the circuit, and then there's the Marizo. May I pause and offer prices on all please, of those please, while, please we're, while we're here? Yes, absolutely, yes. So the core is $35,900. Mm-hmm. There are three packages that are available on that core, performance, technology, and cold weather. And by the way, we'll come back to seats, but these seats in the core are the only seats available with heating options. Mm. The seats on the upgraded versions do not have the heating options. Mm-hmm. It's not available. The circuit edition in the middle is $42,900, no packages available. Yep. And then the GR Corolla Marizo edition is $49,900. $50,000 Corolla. 50K. The $50,000 Corolla. It's cool, but you lose your back seats. By the way, Toyota does say that on all the cars, mm-hmm. Toyota's rear seat reminder comes standard on all GR Corolla grades. <laughs> You see the conundrum. So the reminder in the Marizo is, guess what? You still have no back seats. Right. Hello? No back seats. Just saying. Uh, but problem that I have with a $50,000 Marizo Corolla with with no back seats is at this point, just go with a $50,000 better two-seat rear-wheel drive car. It'll be an, yeah. it'll be a collector special. I understand it's going to go for way all, well over that price, and fifty grand is already insane. It's going to go to collectors only. But because you lost the back seats... The car now loses out, in my opinion, to tons of things that are just two-seaters and rear-wheel drive. At $50,000. Yes, that's a lot of money. You walked away with money in your pocket from buying a GR86. Yeah. If you're buying a two-seat car to track... The point with having no back seats, or on any of these cars, is folding the seats or loading them with your track tires, driving to the track, Mm -hmm. swapping out. The GR86 was positioned that you could... and. You pretty much could, but it's a stretch. Mm -hmm. But this, you can fill the back and still take a passenger and go to the track and have a fun track day. And the Marizo will be a hardcore edition. By the way, we've talked about this before, but Marizo was the alias Mm -hmm. under which Akio Toyota Mm -hmm. raced when he started racing to 
take the focus off of him. The, so you wouldn't Toyota know out that, of the discussion. Oh my gosh, the car that I'm wheel to wheel with is the president of Toyota. He didn't want that. <laughs> he didn't want to be known. He didn't want yeah. to make a grand announcement. So he raced under this alias Marizo. But now that just means it is the really focused edition. If it's from the president, it's even more, more better, lighter. It gets it's, a carbon fiber uh, roof. It's yeah, got, it actually comes lighter. with cup two tires and different wheels. Right. A little so bit wider. Because yeah. you're focused obviously more on tracking. But one of the big conversations we had with Toyota folks is, so you, you load up your core version. You end mm-hmm. up with the limited slip differentials front and rear, which the other two versions have anyway. So you wind up with that with the performance. Pack. Optional on the core, but yes. Yeah, but, you, but you, I'm saying if, yeah. if you load it up with the other packages, yeah. you get that. You get the heated seats. You get the good technology. So you got everything else with one major exception between that and the circuit. The circuit and the Marizo both have far improved seats over the core. Yes. Now, to your point, those aren't heated seats but they're much better seats for driving hard. And one of the things yeah. we said to two very different Toyota people in totally different conversations is we said, guys, starting year two, when the circuit's gone, you need to offer those seats as a package option. And they both got this glazed look on their face, like look over our shoulder kind of look. And we're like, oh, that's interesting. And I'm like, okay, that's coming. It'll ne- be the year- performance pack plus. Yes, next year that's coming, and you want the seat upgrade. That's the, really the only thing about the circuit that I prefer- preferred over just buying a core version mm-hmm. and adding some packages to it. Also, Toyota color. Color on this car. It's offered in whites and grays and charcoals and one singular red. Supersonic red is $425 available on the core in the circuit. Mm-hmm. White is available on both cars. Black is only available on the core. Then we get into the grays. There's mm. a heavy metal available on the middle edition, the circuit. But then when you move on up to Marizo, it's only a darker gray and windshield pearl, which is actually pretty nice. I have to admit. It's a nice pearly it's white. It's not the white. For white. But you know Toyota is going to offer the better seats, the circuit seats in the core for mm-hmm. next year, and more colors. They're painting Toyota's Lamborghini colors. They have lime. You're right. You're right. From the Tacoma. Yeah. And that... Circus peanut orange from the Tundra. Yes. Well, they keep Let's doing paint that. paint our cars. And the XSE, that sweet electric blue. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. the seats are coming, as is more colors to yes. reintroduce it for year two. Well, they're also going to have a unique every year color. I mean, the 10th anniversary 86 that they had out there is offered in orange. I mean, this is the thing that Toyota learned with their trucks, their ubiquitous trucks. They learned if we offer a special color one year only, people feel special to run out and buy that color. And then all the enthusiasts of forerunners know, oh, you have sand. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have that's Well, that's this year. So Toyota learned that that's wildly successful with trucks. They're already pulling that out with the Supra. The Supra has a special color every year. I don't know if you've noticed that, but they're doing a limited edition color every single year. So that means that's going to come with the scroller, which is interesting, which will keep it good and in discussion. But the headline here for me is that this is every bit as good to drive as you hoped. Yes, it is. And I, I, we already posted before we could post actual like driving impression discussions. We posted my average driving quality POV of me doing two laps on the track. <laughs> and I've already talked about the fact that I could, I could great. not have blown the, the attitudes quarter worse while worrying Doesn't, about the camera. Whatever. I was like, what's going Oh no, the code <laughs> went by already. I got it. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, but the point is people were like, ah, that looks like it understeers a lot. And you and chance and I were all like, not, not really. Now, there, really, there's, no. there's three ways to set it. You can do 60-40, meaning 60% of the power is the front, 40 to the rear. You can do track mode, which is 50-50, think Subarus. Mm-hmm. And you can do 30-70, 30 up front, 70 in the rear. Now, 
I want to set your expectations properly. This is a front-wheel drive chassis okay. at its origin. It's not a rear-wheel drive car. True. It is now offered as a front-wheel drive car that has now become an all-wheel drive car. It is not offered as a rear-wheel drive. Okay, <laughs> let, let's just let's settle in that. Right. It's not a rear-wheel drive chassis. It doesn't become rear-wheel drive all of a sudden. No. So if you put it in 50-50 track mode, it actually feels pretty similar to things like the STI and the WXs of the world, mm-hmm. which, newsflash, those will understeer. Yeah. They do understeer. Now, the all-wheel drive helps you not understeer, but STIs and WRXs will understeer. That is something that they do. And when you give them more power, it doesn't make them suddenly rear-wheel drive. And, oh, my gosh, the rotation. You can figure out how to get those all-wheel drive systems to pull you through the corner. Yeah, you can add power. Yes. And it'll stop understeering. It'll, it'll, it'll certainly try. Yes, exactly. In 3070 mode, this does not become a, look at the tail that's way out. It's, no, that's it's not, not suddenly it a drift car. And I think some people expected that. But what is interesting is because its natural tendency, as with most cars, its natural tendency is it will understeer. Of course it will understeer. The, the 86 will understeer. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. But if you give it power in 3070 mode, you can feel the back half help rotate the car. You can feel it start to turn the whole car more. Which is actually really fun. Yes. Again, enthusiast folks. We're complaining about, oh, it's understeery, and what about the markup, and that doesn't sound like I want it to, and I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm hot about this. We're just we're, we're complaining a lot. The point is you want one of these cars. Everybody wants it one. It drives very well. It's excellent to drive. It's fun. That's the bottom line. It, it's surprisingly fun, actually. So you've heard about the power at this point. A 1.6-liter, three-cylinder turbo with 300 horsepower, and in the bottom two grades, 273 pound-feet of torque. In the Marizo, mm-hmm. it goes to 295 pound-feet of torque with the same amount of horsepower. Yep. But what we like most about Toyota is that not only are they introducing cars specifically designed to go track, mm-hmm. they're standing by with a warranty that's still the 36-month, 36, 36,000 basic new vehicle warranty, 36,000-mile mm-hmm. new warranty, yeah, yeah, yeah. 60-month warranties for the powertrain and corrosion with no mileage limitation. They know they're introducing cars with engines that are pretty much going to hang out at redline. Yeah. And they know that miles are going to be put on these cars. <laughs> that gives yeah. enthusiasts yeah, yeah. kind of what they want. Great. Let's go drive now and go beat the snot out of these things. Yeah. We talked a lot to people that are essentially reporting to corporate. These aren't dealers. These are Toyota folks. And we talked yeah. to them about, they're okay, from the mothership. So here are these cars. You know how they're going to be driven. They're already laughing about the fact, of course, we know we're doing advertising that is go track these cars and here's your NASA membership. It's not like they don't know that they have to back that up. It, we had <laughs> exactly. some kind of humorous conversations where they were like, yeah, we've heard kind of conversation. <laughs> it was hysterical, actually. <laughs> all right. So weights for all three of these cars. The core is 3262 on models with the dual LSDs, the Taurus and LSDs front and rear. That's an option. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come with them. The circuit is 3285. And the Marizo is 3186, so just about 100 pounds less. Mm-hmm. But it was apparent. We got out saying, yeah, there was a difference. We could feel it. It is a sharper car, though I do wonder if you put the Cup 2 wheels, the wider wheels and the stickier tires on your circuit or your core, how much you'd notice a difference anymore. And you'd have a more usable car. 
But at that point, we're slicing the onion thinly. Well, already are we, we are. Are we having 92% less fun? I agree. Well, that was the thing. If you and I weren't driving them back to back, watch our, t- our piece on the main channel. If you and I weren't driving them back to back, it would have been hard to discuss the difference between the core with mm. the limited slip differentials and the Marizo. Because it's not like, wow, this is so much more powerful and so much more fun. It was great fun. The only downside to the track day launch that we got to do was they were only giving you a lap at a time. That was the only downside. Right. And I understand that you got to control journalists doing crazy, inexplicable things. I get it. We're mountain cameras. We're doing, we're doing odd things. Some people have no idea that the track They go do the odd things after being sternly talked to. Oh, yes, yes. Don't make us make more rules, people. This is our new mantra to live by. One lap at a time was frustrating, but it was so fun every time I took that car out. So fun. You and I felt that way. Chance felt that way. We were just like, this is an incredibly fun car to drive. And I, I want to compare it to some other things out there. Okay. We all know that I love the Evo 10. Yeah. yeah it's good. I still think the Evo 10 handles a little better than the Corolla. Fair enough. However, in this market segment, I would like to buy a hatchback, all-wheel drive, six-speed. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing else I'd buy. And in fact, if I start to jump out to front-wheel drive options, front-wheel drive only options, you include the Elantra in at that point, which is sure. excellent. We haven't driven it yet, but we're excited to. That's excellent. There are you know, the Mini Coopers and these things of the mm-hmm. world. Those are excellent as well. I would still pick the Corolla because I like the all-wheel drive setup. I like the, the changing of the, uh, of the front-to-rear bias. And it is a usable hatchback. And I liked that I, in 3070 mode, it lost the, by the way, I'm tapping on your shoulder, have I told you I'm a front-wheel drive sensation that I get out of so many cars. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. when they're all-wheel drive, it's like, well, by the way, I'm, I'm really front. <laughs> okay? The Corolla at least had a little bit of a different personality in that 70, 3070 uh, setup that I was like, yeah, okay, all right, this, this is fun. Okay, that brings up whatever Chris's question, asking us, do we think pricing is reasonable for what we're getting with the GR Corolla? Now, on one hand, you could say, whoa, $42,900 for a circuit Mm -hmm. for a Corolla? That's along the lines of saying, wow, these new Mercedes AMGs are so much faster than the prior generation. They're amazing, but I'm not buying a four-cylinder. I got to have that V8. (laughs) Well, the V8's slower, thirstier. The new car is better in every single way. So <laughs> really, we're still hung up with a cylinder count. I'm not buying a three-cylinder car. It's really good. <laughs> it actually sounds good because three cylinders give it a different crackle and pop. It's got genuine personality. Mm-hmm. They're built in the same factory where the LFA was built, meaning there's a whole different level of attention and care to detail. Mm. For a Corolla. <laughs> you're, you're right. Made by the experts in the factory where the LFA that is unassailable was built. And finally, by spending this much on a Corolla that's part of a race program, tells Toyota, keep building these. Yes, agreed. By spending the money and saying, you know what? That's expensive. Mm-hmm. Darn it. Man, is it fun to drive. Man, is it well built. It's good. It's got a warranty. Holy cow, this car exists now, Mm -hmm. and I'm telling management to keep building these because I bought it. Keep bringing us more performance cars in the future. Yes. I hope that they sell it for years, and I hope that, I mean, look, the first year is going to be nuts, officially nuts. 
People are not going to be able to get them. There's going to be a lot of complaints about these cars are un- unattainable. There's crazy markups because it's the first year. All that's going to happen. And that's yes. really too bad. But back to the pricing. I actually think the Marizo is absurd. But sure. I understand why it exists. Sure. It's limited edition. Collectors are going to buy it. They'll probably auction off one of the There's low, low numbers. There's nine feet more adhesive used on the Marizo. So <sighs> yeah. There's that. Uh, there is that. <laughs> nine feet more adhesives, but no back seats. Uh, anyway, it's so, the course of the line of thinking. Yeah, it is. Let's so, take away all the stuff and charge mm, you more. Exactly. So the $50,000 Corolla with then markup on top of it, I do find that absurd. I think, and I said this to multiple people at Toyota, that a core with the limited differentials and the seats of the circuit is a car that I would buy and I think is the setup. And That's with that setup, spot. you're going to get out for under 40 grand. Yes, but what other hatches are f- about 35, 40 grand? Everything else. GTI, I'm looking at you. Uh, Corolla, I mean, pardon me, Civic Type R. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing. For these performance hatches, it's what they're costing now. They're costing right around 40 grand on either side. A loaded GTI or the, the base Golf R is 45. Yeah. So I think that version is actually perfect. I think the core with the diffs and good seats, and let's say it break, it goes 42. I think that's actually perfect. Yeah. But well, because the circuit's going to go away, so yeah. they'll eventually be just the core mm-hmm. with all the versions available. And the Marizo, fine. If you want the hardcore, great, go yeah. get it. But the core will be the sweet spot because you can option up with the LSDs, front yep. and rear. Yep. You could probably, with the Performance Pack Plus, that we're totally speculating on this. <laughs> the colors in the Performance Pack, we're just that's our speculation. Ask us in a year, but I bet you money. <laughs> we're, we're making that part up, but... Yeah. Why wouldn't they offer more colors and put the seats in? Because they'll have the seats already. They'll be tooled up and ready. <laughs> they only bought enough for the circuit. There are <laughs> no more of those seats. Make it in sweet colors, and yes. those will be the hot ones, mm-hmm. and keep the price down. So I think Toyota's really in line with pricing. Whatever, Chris, to answer your question, pricing is hard because they are looking at all of their competitors and what it's worth and yeah, what the market yeah, yeah. says. It, you know, It's right in the sweet spot. So I don't think they've blown it out like, whoa, $80,000 Corolla. Whoa, a $90,000 Jetta. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I hear you. Let's see. Rod Mora asks, if we think Toyota should rethink the limited numbers on the Corolla, well, at this point, like we're talking about, I think they're going to keep building them. It's only the circuit that is the limited run. Mm-hmm. But for now, and, and the Marizo is limited to 200 per year. Yeah, they, so, they, they've talked about not making a ton of them. I, don't, I think Toyota is concerned about having GR Corolla sitting on lots unbought. I think mm-hmm. that they want to keep them exclusive at that point. But we said to multiple people, we're like, just, just build as many as people will show up for. But that means we have to show up. Yeah, let's yeah. show up. Harvey M. asks us a comment on the GR Corolla, specifically on refinement, NVH, etc. Well, when you get in, you're in a Corolla, but that's not why you bought it. It's mm-hmm. not suddenly like, wow, I'm in a Toyota Velfire. This thing's lined with quilted everything. It's like buying the Evo, which was still yes. the interior of the base Lancer. Granted, the current Corolla is better than the Evo, okay? It is. But, but it, you're buying a car that has a base model that now has better seats and better drivetrain. It didn't get revolutionized in the interior, though the current Corolla is fine. There's, it's, it doesn't have a major, like, right. oh, my gosh, you're kidding kind of problem about it, which the old Lancer did. But- Look at the crystal glass inlays from Lexus on the that doesn't exist on the Corolla. <laughs> Lexus did not get a hold of this vehicle. They, they certainly did not. <laughs> but that's not why you buy it. You buy it because you're going to ignore everything. You're gonna, your phone's going to connect, and you're away. Mm-hmm. And you're just suddenly involved in the transmission. It's so good to drive. It's like a race team built the transmission. 
it does have a lot of development going on. You can you definitely can feel that. Feel yeah. that. Yeah. You shift one time, and you're like, oh, that's not for normal. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> that's not was a normal attention. thing. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. When you have that moment, you remember a car you're interested in, or you heard us just debate a particular vehicle right here on the podcast. You need a way to search for it. Our friends at Autotempest.com focus their efforts where it's most important, helping you find great cars, local, nationwide, big listings, or little ones. Are you the person all your friends talk to when they're car shopping? The folks at Autotempest rely on word of mouth too, and you'll give your friends the tool they need when you tell them about Autotempest. Autotempest.com slash everyday links you to nationwide listings from Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace, so it enables you to search beyond the limited distances those sites support. So when you're doing your drive homework or you're chasing your next family car or you're just browsing to feed the disease like we do pretty much every day, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Autotempest. All the cars, one search. James J. writes to us asking, what's a fun car to buy with two babies? Are you calling us babies? <laughs> or are you, are you buying the car with babies? <laughs> what can I get for these two screaming infants? Is that a BMW option as part of the technology package or anyway mm-hmm. that's the family pack is the what family it is it's the family pack it i'm buying this with two babies anyway james is looking for a fun family car price range 10 to twenty thousand dollars. he says higher price stuff should be more reliable fair enough he currently drives a fiat 500 abart and a lexus rx 400h okay they're both awesome but he's planning on selling both of them who wants a lexus rx 400h mm-hmm. he lives next to and works at a funeral home Okay. And he's able to use the funeral home minivan as the daily driver for his kids who are 1.5, one and a half years old Mm -hmm. and a baby on the way. So little ones. All right. So that means rear facing car seats. That's what that means. Now a Sienna will replace the RX 400H apparently for free. That's because that's the the van from the funeral home. So he has a Sienna to use most of the the time, but because it's not theirs, it's a loner. That means occasionally it will not be available. Okay. Fair enough. He says the Abarth's turbo went out. I'm sorry to hear that. So he'll be selling it for four grand and hopefully can get about seven for the Lexus. So he's, yeah, just over $10,000, somewhere in there. 11, Might 12. be able to push all the way to 20. But, but the van is the interesting curveball here because it's the perfect family car, but it's also not their car. <laughs> he's owned previously an NB Miata. He says one of the best cars ever because it's not precious. Mm-hmm. A Taurus SHO. The transmission sucks and it's too big. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. And the Abart. And also his dad has owned and let him drive an RCF, an 05 Mustang GT, a 2015 Mustang GT, an 01 Porsche Boxster S, and he has also test-driven S2000, F-Type, Nissan 370Z, mm. 2011 Corvette Grand Sport, both in NA and ND, first and last generations of Miata right now, and a Ford Focus RS. Okay. He says, now here's the deal. He will need to have two car seats in the car for when the Sienna is in the shop. Okay. You mean the funeral home? <laughs> you won't when be in, yeah, they won't be yeah. in it all the time, but mm-hmm. if they can't be installed comfortably, then it's a deal breaker. So it has to be able to take two, because they're little ones, rear facing car seats now. Right. I mean, I've gotten away with like, you know, we had our first FRS. My son had just moved into a booster. And so we, he was front facing and then we had moved into a booster and moved into a booster a little early and it worked just fine. So it kind of worked. But this is rear facing tiny little ones. So the trash cans have got to go in the rear, two of them. Okay. He says they're not going to be in it all the time. Okay. And he loves small cars and engagement for sure. 
Having a manual transmission is a very high priority. All the Alpha Julia looks tempting, Mm -hmm. but he does mention reliability as being a large factor. His MOF loves new luxury cars. She also loved the Miata and the Fiat and loved all the cars his dad has had too. And if it was up to her, she would buy a BMW X3 or X5. Mm, Okay. James is very open-minded right now, but he's thinking about some manual BMW sedan. Not sure which one. Mentioned a WRX or an STI, if the car seats will fit. Some manual Honda, a manual Cayenne. He says they're really hard to find. Yes, they are. He's open-minded. What should he buy? I love that you wrote to us, and your situation is a little unique. The car that stuck out for you was the Mini Cooper Clubhurst. I mean, Clebman, sorry. <laughs> Jokes right. <laughs> they write themselves. And he works at a funeral. I like this very much. Get what in black. It's perfect. Exactly. Put the livery on it. Maybe mm-hmm. they'll subsidize your car payment. No, I, I thought about the Clubman. It could work. Mm-hmm. But the car that I think fits your budget and is the right one is a Mazda 6. They even came with a manual mm-hmm. transmission early on. Well, that's interesting you brought Mazda that up because 6. I thought Mazda Speed 6. Mazda Speed 6, even better. The all-wheel drive with the good sure. turbo engine, manual transmission, 6-speed. If that, you can get yes. one in your budget, yes. I think he can find those in his budget. Yes. Less than twenty grand. I think that's what you're right. He could get newer by just going into the newer just Mazda, Mazda 6, 6, and they would be very solid. 14, I think, They'd the newer. They'd be very solid. Okay. But it's the prior gen yeah. in Mazda Speed form. They're hard to find, but they are very, very good. Yes. I did have that on my list as well. Because Mazda, we've always noted, gives you a little bit more for your money. Mm. You feel like I bought a more luxurious car than you really did. That's what that's the best part about them. And they still drive really well. They're reliable. Mm. Even if you find one with high miles, I still think they're in the Honda and Toyota camp. There are some known issues with the Mazda Speed. I have to acknowledge that. The Mazda Speed 6 has some known issues with overheating when they put the... Because it's the engine from the Mazda Speed 3, which is also a possible consideration except for torque steer. I suppose. But the Mazda Speed 6... Yeah, exactly. Mazda Speed 6, they had some overheating issues with that engine, but there are known solves for that. All-wheel drive, quite fun, a good size. I I mean, even the newer ones. Yes. I mean, they came with... I think they came with a manual and the the non-turbo, if I'm not mistaken. Or or was the smaller... I don't remember, honestly. I have to look at that. But early on, the Mazda 6, and then they discontinued the manual because people didn't buy them. Mm -hmm. But even just a straight-up Mazda 6, it feels like a luxury car. It's got a good, long-lasting style to it. Huge and trunk. well within your budget. Yeah, huge trunk. I know those seats are going to fit. We have verified by one of our listeners who did say three car seats will fit across in an M3. So that's good news. <laughs> and the Mazda 6 is at least as big as an M3. <laughs> Remember? Well, yes, but the side... Also, James, I'm going to mention this to you, and this is going to surprise you, but also think about this. You can also buy car seats depending upon your car. We've also seen that. Where, yeah. Because what happens, and I, I've been here. I've Shopping been here. for fitment. You just you just buy the car seat that you think is the most safe with the proper missiles and the bells and whistles and the cup holder that you want. And that one's <laughs> got right. cow print, and there you go. Okay? Uh, I like it. So there is that, but you can also shop the other way and go, okay, we need to shop ones that are more svelte but still are safe. And those exist, of course, otherwise because they have to go through all of the, the baby qualifications to even be sold. Other thing I found funny, sorry, side note. We were at this stage of life when my son was young enough to be in these car seats. Mm -hmm. The craziest thing is the regulations are constantly changing. So in many cases, you can't, you can't buy, you can't buy last year's car seat. 
it's a death trap compared to this year's car seat. And it's like, wait a minute, we were just, that was six months ago. It was supposed to be the greatest, whatever. No, but see, the regulations changed. And so last year's car seat, those are, those are actually surprisingly dangerous. Good thing your child grew like, out of those. Six months ago, it was fine. <laughs> That that there's a racket going on there. What folks. about the human being physique changed? In this? Yes, what? <laughs> I agree. So you're on the Mazda six too, or the Mazda the Mazda, Mazda six. Speed six? I think is really I love good. It. I like the WRX STI. I don't know that your rear seats are going to be great on that, but they might work. Again, you're going to have to shop. You're going to have to be the guy taking the car seats to the dealer, mm-hmm. or you're going to have to do that to actually see. I think that that's going to be the big factor. And try to buy the ones that are a little more svelte. I would love for you, love James. My favorite top car for you is actually the brand new Civic Si. It's just it's above your budget. Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly enormous back seats, but yet a pretty small exterior package, and it drives very small. Great six speed, lots of power, very very fun. But they're like thirty thirty five. Yeah, yeah. So that they're is a real it, problem now, which makes me wonder about buying a sport version of the current uh, Honda Civic. Not the SI. Oh. Because we drove yeah. it recently in the Touring and actually liked it quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, it's still fun. It's what, no, they're still, they're still going to be, yeah, somewhere in the high 20s. So I'm above yeah. your budget, and I know that. But I, but I see the Civic SI feels perfect for you. Now, yes, you could go with an old used 3 Series manual. You can certainly find those. You could even find, if you get really lucky, go back a little bit, find a 3 Series wagon manual. Ooh. That is a fantastic family car. You could certainly do that. At that point, I want you to just go out and buy that Alpha Julia because at that point, I think it's going to be every bit as reliable. Haggerty is always announcing exciting new things that they're doing, and this one is no exception. Brand new this year, Marketplace is your Haggerty hub for buying and selling cool cars. With their reimagined classifieds experience, buyers can now shop for vehicles that are on sale from Haggerty Drivers Club members, and the sellers get access to millions of car lovers. This is a marketplace. There's all kinds of cars on there. So no matter what you're into, you can find something you love. And with classifieds, there's no buyer's feeds, regardless of vehicle price. Whether you're looking to buy or sell, you should head over to Haggerty Marketplace. Take a look around. We think you'll love it. We have audience questions we have not gotten to yet. And starting out on Facebook, Dustin Marshall asks if we've ever had a vehicle that had a weird or not normal feature that you thought you wouldn't like, Mm. but after a while, you actually liked it better than the standard option. He recently bought a Scion XB with that center-mounted dash cluster and has really come to like it. Mm. I hear you on the center-mounted dash cluster, especially with minis. And it took me a little while when you had Spot the Mini, that mm-hmm. center-mounted tack right on the top of the steering column. But the center-mounted con- the, the cluster right there on the minis, very charming and quirky. And I think they've done a great job, even though the subsequent minis have kind of gone back to the digital LED mm-hmm. screen. But they've continued to use the shapes and you know exploit their quirkiness and the hot dog shape and the <laughs> Have circles. Have you noticed? The... We're many. We do circles. It's like the RX-8. We do triangles. <laughs> exactly. We ha- everything's a rotary triangle shape. many are having fun designing yes, that Yes, they thing. are. Mm-hmm. Harvey on Facebook asked about chassis tuning. What the heck does that mean? Oh, this is a good question. Oh, man. What are the included functions manufacturers manipulate to get the desired result? Okay. It includes the marketing team. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Uh, First off, must acknowledge that Paul and I are not engineers. Right. Okay. I'm sure Jason Finsky has multiple really good videos that will start to explain pieces of this. But you're talking about essentially two major areas that have tons of little components. One is the the stiffness of the body. Mm -hmm. Because if the body itself is a noodle, 
then it doesn't matter what you do to all the suspension components because it's, the body's just going to flex. Like the manufacturers claim 35% stiffer than last year's model. It's like, <laughs> what was last year's model? A used tea bag? Seriously, we- how was last year's model safe? How is that possible? I'll give you an example. The first Gen 86, the FRS, mm-hmm. to the second Gen, they talked about how the front half of the car was 50% stiffer. Yeah. And when you and I got into it, we could tell yeah. because if the suspension's great, but the body is, is loose, then all that suspension work gets used up in body flex. This is one of the issues often with convertibles. The second thing you can do is what's going on with all the suspension components. What's the compression and rebound that is the damper and the spring related on the suspension? What is that? What are the, the ratios of the steering? Mm-hmm. What, how, how much camber or caster? If you don't know these terms, look them up because it's a whole rabbit hole, Okay. How do the wheels fit on the car? What is the wheels angle? How easily do they turn? What happens when they turn? They take on some sort of other angle when they turn. So what is that? What's the suspension components? There's a big discussion going on right now about the double wishbone front suspension on the latest GT3 Porsche 911s. They used to have something called a McPherson strut. We're talking essentially about one major point absorbing all the the suspension movement versus multiple points. Mm -hmm. I'm massively oversimplifying. There's a ton of info on this. But what's happening is that manufacturers are dealing with the balance between the stiffness of the car and the feel of the suspension. And on one level, you have a Phaeton. We keep bringing it up this podcast, which (laughs) is a massive boat of a car with air suspension. And its purpose is to ride well. Mm-hmm. Its purpose is not to corner well. Its purpose is to be an aircraft carrier, and you didn't know you just ran over another car. Okay? That's its purpose. And it does it very, very well. Exactly. Okay? You take that versus a Mini Cooper John Cooper Works, which is a super caffeinated front-wheel drive-only vehicle. Mm-hmm. So it needs to be stiff riding because you've got to contain all that fury. And you bought a Mini, and you kinda, you're kind of ready for fury. You bought the John Cooper Works version. So it's very different thinking. And I remember reading an article once about one of the Lotus engineers because they, were no, they are known for chassis tuning. You used to see random cars, like Isuzu's with handling by Lotus. It's like, what is going on there? Literally, there was a guy, old school guy, that would put in different levels of washers mm. as shims mm-hmm. to move suspension components around by fractions of an inch and then keep taking the car out on the test track and add two more shims or take two away just to get all of his measurements perfect that it was total old school way of doing it. Mm. But this is what we're talking about. Ultimately the body versus the suspension. And what are you chasing after? Mark Butler asks, why is it? We think Hyundai and Kia have had more success changing their image and becoming desirable when Cadillac still suffers. And most Americans are apathetic towards the brand. Mm. It's hard to believe when you consider they have the Escalade and have made some great sports sedans over the past 10 plus years. I think it's the legacy. I think that helps and hurts Cadillac, the Cadillac brand, even though they are on their way to changing their brand yet again. They're, they're in the middle of the transformation, I'll say, right now, because they have the Escalade V, which is almost 700 horsepower, suburban, <laughs> that gets 10 miles to the gallon Woo. and starts at $149,000. Mm. That's not what people associate with Cadillac. It was always an expensive brand, but the Germans were always more expensive. Not this time. <laughs> Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, and you're all done at 151000 You can't do any more. $151,000 for what is essentially a gussied up suburban with a giant engine? Yes. Yes, please. And then over here, they have a $66,000 Cadillac Lyric, 
all electric, mm-hmm, completely mm-hmm. different thinking. It's not related in any way to the Escalade. And it's great. Different styling. So they, they're in this morph right now because they offer both of these vehicles. And so I think buyers don't have the association with one or the other necessarily, even though you could argue Hyundai and Kia both have large product portfolios. Mm. Cadillac has less. So they're not trying to do economy all the way up to minivans. They're just in the luxury high performance arena. So within those boundaries, what can they do? Mm. Still got to offer a big car. Okay. That's the V and then over here, something electric. Got it. So Hyundai and Kia, they were laughed at. Yeah, for years. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It was the cheap thing and mm-hmm. you were laughed at and the cars were laughed mm-hmm. at. And then they took a moment and reset themselves. And we have discussed ad nauseum about their warranty mm-hmm. when they changed that. And people noticed. Yep. For sure. That was the big turning point for them. And then the cars were forced to get good. <laughs> we have to warranty these. What are you doing? <laughs> <We've got> to- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can't write checks. Our body can't cash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, so then the cars got good, and then they started to hire some designers, mm-hmm. BMW, and some engineers from BMW, and mm-hmm. the designs got really different. They went trolling really at BMW and Audi to just be like, you know what we need? And then they shut off Genesis for about four years. Yeah, yeah. It's not the Hyundai Genesis anymore. It just became its own brand. Imagine mm-hmm. Cadillac stopping all production and not offering themselves for sale, thereby screwing their dealership network mm-hmm. for about four years. Interesting point. And relaunch themselves. Yeah. Maybe same brand. Maybe the logo's changed. Same word. Mm-hmm. And here we are, brand new. What would that do for Cadillac? Would that erase all the history? Because people, are, you say Cadillac and yeah. you're thinking, ah, plushy McBody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. Not for everybody. Whereas the Cadillacs, you're right. The race team, winning race team, high performance, mm-hmm. a lot of power, great to drive. Not everybody has experienced that, though. True. And then here they are with the Celestique. They're going way out there with a $300,000 Uber super duper luxury car. Mm. Because of that, they have the $66,000. Most people can get this. Sure. Yeah. According yeah. to the Cadillac brand. It's not like Bentleys are offering the $70,000 something. True. You know what I mean? The new cheap Bentley. So for yeah. that reason, I think there's a few too many product offerings mm. from Cadillac. What if they just said, you know, we're stopping. We're just, you know, from here on out, it's mm. Celestique. And all these other cool models we thought of, they become under a different brand at GM. Interesting. All you can buy is the Celestique hatch. <laughs> Celestique hatch. For three and a grand. <laughs> it's hatchy and cruisy. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> anyway, speaking of hatchy and handly and those things, we have some cool shirts on Blipshift right now. If you haven't looked in a while, we have some cool stuff going on. There's an Elements shirt that is about the four different generations of the Miata. That shirt is out there right now. And coming soon is a GR Corolla shirt. And also there's a revised version of that Stuttgart shirt shirt that is about the 911s. All of those are happening right now on Blipshift. So go over to everydaydriver.com, go to the store tab, and then Blipshift. You can look at the shirts that are partnered with them right now. Of course, you can find everything else going to Amazon, etc. Because all of season 11 is also on Amazon. We are currently working on season 12. I have a question here from Nick Lancey on Instagram. He says, as someone that currently drives a car that runs in spite of me, he says... He aspires to thoroughbred cars in parentheses. Well, Porsche. What what are some good transition <laughs> At least you're cars? Honest. Yeah. What are some good transition cars that require maintenance but aren't super expensive to kind of get him in the habit of I never maintain the car I currently have. I want to own one that takes a lot of okay. maintenance. How do I bridge the gap? Nick, what you need to buy is you need to buy something in any 
price point that is a dedicated sports car. Mm. That could be, look at our uh, fun sports cars under 8,000 video on YouTube. Any of those cars would qualify. You could buy yourself any Miata. You could buy yourself a first or second gen 86. Because what happens is you're talking about cars now that are designed more within their performance limits. Mm-hmm. Your, your typical mid-grade sedans, are, are, they're engineered way beyond the average user's life. Your performance cars are engineered with stickier tires and expecting you to push them harder. What that means is stuff wears out. So what I would encourage you to do is buy a used, dedicated sports car mm-hmm. and dig in to find out what needs to be replaced. Mm. Because there's mm. stuff that needs to be replaced. Whatever used sports car you bought, there's stuff it needs. And instead of going, well, I'm just going to drive it until it breaks, dedicate yourself to, oh, this does need tired. Oh, it does need brakes. You know, that fluid hasn't ever been done on this car. And on this car, it should have been done by now. Do all of those things. This is preparing you for owning. You said it. The difference between a plow horse and a thoroughbred. The plow horse is awesome, but the thoroughbred is faster and more fun to ride. But boy, is it higher maintenance. So this, it's the dedication and the requirements that go along with that that will get you there. I've got a sticky tire question from MacMan A90, Ooh. who recently replaced the factory tires on his 22 Supra with significantly wider tires than OEM, mm. thinking that this would mean more grip. Mm. He got it. Now the car feels more sloppy and with more body roll. <laughs> Interesting. Is this because of the brand of tire, or did he oversize them? Keep in mind they aren't any taller. Has he ruined the car for the foreseeable future? First question is, you were hoping for more grip. To mm-hmm. do what with? Mm. Were you tracking the car? Mm. Were you just wanting to corner harder, take the same roads you've always driven on and just take them harder? Because now the car is more planted. You're getting more grip. It, yeah. it worked. Yeah, yeah. And now, since they're, the car is essentially planted on its tires better, it still has the same motions. Mm-hmm. It's just the tires aren't absorbing them or letting You're go right. of that. You're right. They're stuck hard into the ground mm-hmm. and the body has to catch up now. So you're experiencing, whoa, more body roll because the tire's like, I'm not going anywhere. Sure. The body has to follow. The problem is I don't want you to just chase that with suspension. Mm. Oh, I changed the tire grip. So I got to now upgrade stiffer suspension. And then you're in a rabbit hole of tuning, not knowing what your goal is. That's key. That's really good. So my question for you is foreseeable future. You could drive it. And you could set those tires aside for when you have a goal for tuning the car a specific way and you want to go after suspension or whatever that is and go with, I I know money's an issue and I know I'm, you know, just get new tires. Sure. If it's really that bad, well, you could just get another set of something and the brands matter and the different grades certainly matter. We don't know exactly what tires they're not, they're not specified in here, but you could a live with it and understand what that grip is doing to your driving and how it mm. upsets or balances the car in different ways. It'll teach you a lot about dynamics and tires. Sure. Yeah. But just going after more grip for again, for what purpose mm-hmm. just to go faster through corners, maybe. And that's fine because it's fun. I agree, <laughs> but just think about what you want these tires to end up doing and maybe that will we always say upgrade tires for sure yeah yeah but then we don't want to go too far whether where everything else about the car now has to match these tires like you put mm-hmm. race tires in your car well shoot it's brought out it's magnified all the the shortcomings there's of the a, rest of the yeah, chassis there's a new weak link in there somewhere you yeah. know what i mean mm-hmm. so it could either be solved by okay i want to just go a stiffer suspension and that's going to really that'll be where i stop and wow 
the ride quality though will suffer. Sure. Yeah. You can take those corners now really hard and the, mm-hmm. their body rolls gone, but are you using the car still for commuting? Is it still yeah. need to be comfortable yeah, yeah. in a straight line? You know what I mean? So just kind of think about those things as you're driving. And again, you could set them aside and get something not quite so wide, but go with a different compound. Mm. That's always a, uh, something you could think about. I, I don't think you've ruined the car. It's just, you're getting used to these new dynamics. Sure. Yeah. As thank you for all your questions. We really appreciate it. Everyday driver TV at gmail.com is where to write to us. Topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, and most of all your car debates. We're looking forward to hearing from you as always. Cheers, everyone.